Welcome to the Trinity Galewood podcast. Here you'll find teachings, sermons, discussions, and additional content all related to what's going on here at Trinity. Trinity Galewood is located at 1701 North Narragansett in Chicago, and we meet Sundays bi-weekly at 10.30 a.m. We hope you enjoy this episode of the Trinity Galewood podcast. Well, good morning, everybody. My name's Mark, and uh, I'm one of the pastors of this larger uh, church body called Trinity that Trinity Galewood is a part of. Trinity, if you don't know that, is uh, one church in four different sites, and uh, I get the privilege of going around between all four of those sites. And uh, so I've been here with you before, but it's good to be back with you here again this morning. Now, um, Before we get to our question in this Explore God series that we've been doing, I want to tell you just a little bit about myself, but even more importantly, I want to tell you a little bit about somebody else, somebody who impacted my life along the way. So I was born and raised in the church. I was baptized when I was just a couple weeks old and uh, went to church every single Sunday all throughout my childhood. I don't think we ever missed a Sunday, even if it was 24 below outside. We would have been there, and that was my parents. They had to go. Uh, I went to a Lutheran grade school growing up, which meant I had religion class every day. That meant I memorized every single part of Luther's small catechism and, and a whole bunch of other memory verses that I had to learn along the way. We knew all the Bible stories. I mean, you tell me a Bible story, we studied it, right? And even though I went to a public high school, then when it came time for college, guess what? I went to Concordia here, a Lutheran college where we had chapel every day. I didn't go very much, but we had chapel every day and uh, more religion classes to take. So I tell you all that because by the time I got done at Concordia, um, I started as a Lutheran school teacher at a church called St. Paul up on Canfield Road up on the northwest side of Chicago. And, uh, And I knew the Bible really, really well. I knew what it was like to be a Christian. Now, my principal there was a guy named Walter Rittmiller, and uh, everybody just called him Ritt. And uh, I, I want to tell you a story about Ritt so you understand a little bit about who Ritt was. Ritt was one of those old school German Lutheran principals. He was a great guy, but he was pretty strict about stuff. One of his rules, for example, for teachers was you are not supposed to leave your classroom on a Friday until your lesson plan book was done for the next week. Now I was 22 years old. The last thing in the world I wanted to do on Friday after a week of work was more work. A lot of friends in the Chicago area, they were all hitting the bars. So I would do my lesson plan book on Sunday nights. Figured, what harm could there possibly be in that, right? Soon as school was done, I'd duck out on Fridays. Sunday night, I'd be in my classroom or at my kitchen table. I'd get my lesson plan book done for the next week. No problem. Until in February, when we were in Louisville for a wedding on the weekend, and uh, Sunday came to find out that I-65 was closed because of a storm. Couldn't get home. Lesson plans, not done. So I tried calling Rhett. I thought, this is going to be really bad. You know, I tried calling. Couldn't get a hold of him. Thank God. Um, but I did get a hold of the assistant principal, and I told him, I said, you're going to have to tell Rhett he's going to have to get a sub for me for Monday morning because I'm stuck down here in Louisville, um, and you're going to have to tell him my lesson plan book isn't done, so the sub's going to have to wing it. So Monday, made it back. Monday night, in my classroom, lesson pl- plan book done for the rest of the week. I figure when he chews me out Tuesday morning, at least I can say it's done now, right? So I come in Tuesday morning, not a word from Rhett. 
Tuesday afternoon after school, not a word from Rhett. All day Wednesday, not a word from Rhett. Thursday, not a word from Rhett. Now I think, okay, now I know what's going to happen. Because, see, we had faculty meeting every Friday morning before school. I'm like, he's going to chew me out in front of the whole faculty. That's what he's going to do. Faculty meeting comes and goes. Not a word from Rhett. So finally, Friday, it's Friday. It's after school. I'm sitting at my desk working on my plan book. <laughs> and Rick, Rick sticks his head in the door and goes, working on your plan book? I went, yep. He said, thought you might be. Turned and walked away. See, he knew that it was worse to just sweat all week waiting for him to chew me out than for him to chew me out on Tuesday morning and get it over with. He was a smart guy. But, but the real reason I want to tell you about Rit this morning is because Rit loved Jesus more than any person I had ever met. I mean, for Rit, our faith was all about Jesus. The work that we did at that Lutheran school was all about Jesus. He found a way to point to Jesus in every lesson he taught. He taught seventh and eighth grade language arts, and it was all about Jesus. Every Bible study he led the faculty through, every verse in the Bible, every story in the Bible, all somehow for writ pointed to Jesus. Kind of stealing a phrase, um, I grew up thinking that the church had a Jesus, but for, re, for Ritt, Jesus had a church. Ritt helped me understand that, that somewhere along the way, growing up in a Lutheran household, going to a Lutheran school, I had missed that Jesus was really in the center of it all. I mean, I would have said Jesus was important. I mean, that whole dying on the cross and rising from the dead stuff, yeah, that's crucial. But I also would have said God the Father creating the universe, that's pretty important too. And I would have looked at all those Bible stories in the Old Testament and said, well, those people were important, look what God did through them. Somewhere, somehow along the way, I had missed that really our faith is all about Jesus. And I learned that from Red. But see, the thing with Rit was, it wasn't just up here for Rit. It was in here, too. I mean, he never cried. I, I, I saw him cry once, and it was when he told me that his, he had just gotten the phone call that his dad had passed away. Other than that, he was the, you know, that German, you don't show your emotion, unless he was talking about Jesus. And Rit could hardly say two sentences about Jesus without starting to tear up a little bit. Rit was head over heels in love with Jesus. And that's why I think this question now is so important as we work our way through these seven big questions in this series, Explore God. You know, 84% of the people in the world, studies tell us, would say, yes, they believe there's a God, one of our first questions. So it's, it's great to say that there's a God, but I believe every single human being at some point in their life, even if they've been raised in the church, has to figure out exactly what they believe about Jesus. And, and I would submit to you that this morning that there's really um, four possible answers to who is Jesus. I, I think one possible answer is that Jesus is just a myth. You know, he's, he's kind of like Odin or, uh, I don't know, I'm not much of an Avengers guy. Are there other, like, gods in the Avengers? Anyway, you know what I mean, right? He, he's just kind of a myth. He's a cool story that, that, that people made up. You could say that. 
You could say that, that Jesus was a great moral teacher. He was a, a normal human being, but, but somehow he had more wisdom than, than an ordinary average man would have, and, and he turned out to be a great moral teacher that affected many people's lives. You could say Jesus was kind of crazy, and, uh, and when you look at some of the stories, you could see why, or you could say that Jesus is the son of God. Now, I'm guessing that if I asked all of you in this room, you could pick one of those four answers, that I haven't missed anything, that, that, that you could say, yeah, that, that gets pretty close to what I believe about Jesus. Now, by the way, I hope we wouldn't all choose number four. And, and let me tell you why I say that. I know Dave feels this way. Every one of our Trinity sites, we want them to be places where people are coming to figure out what they think about Jesus. We want this to be a safe place. And if, and if you're not sure which one of those you would pick, I'm glad you're here. Because we want our sites to be a place where people can, can, can think about and, and learn about and figure out what it is they believe about Jesus. So the rest of my time with you this morning, I just wanna work through these four. Because actually, I think if you're intellectually honest, we can get rid of two of them pretty quickly. Let's start with this one, this idea that Jesus it is just a myth, that there really wasn't a person named Jesus. Well, let me, first of all, talk about this guy, Socrates, okay? You've heard of Socrates, right? You may be interested in knowing that over the last 10 years or so, there's been kind of a debate in some historical circles about whether Socrates was real or not whether he was a real person or whether Socrates was a myth, somebody that somebody made up. And, uh, and there's been some interesting uh, talk about that. Um, there are really only three sources for us knowing that this guy Socrates existed, okay? There's, there's two of his students that wrote about him as if he was a real person. There's actually three plays in which there's a character named Socrates, and as you read those plays, you get at least the feeling that the author was basing that character on a real person. And then Aristotle actually wrote about him and referenced him as well. That's it. There's, there's no photographs of Socrates, right? There's, uh, it, it's, it's not till maybe hundreds of years later that other people, that there's other writings about Socrates and who knows where they got their information, right? So there's been this kind of interesting debate, but you know what? Historians, based on just those three things, have said, considering the evidence, we believe it's probably 99% that there was a guy named Socrates, that he was real. They think that's enough evidence. So what about Jesus? Well, First of all, we can say there are 27 New Testament books written by seven, maybe eight different authors, all that talk about Jesus as a real person. But you can go, well, wait a minute. It's the Bible. It's biased, right? We haven't talked about whether the Bible's reliable or not. That's next week, right? So you could say, I, I, I don't want to use the Bible at all for evidence about Jesus. Okay. Well, guess what? There's lots of other evidence about Jesus. The first two people on that list, Josephus and Tacitus, they're the two most influential and greatest historical writers of the first century. And both of them talk about Jesus. That's what we would expect. If Jesus was a real person of that day, the historians of that day would have written about him, and indeed they did. They say some pretty significant things about Jesus. 
It's not just them, though. You've got Pliny the Younger and Lucian of Samosata and Julius Africanus, all writing in the late first, early second centuries. All of them write about Jesus and his followers as if he was a real person. Now, for me, actually, the most influential thing up there is there are a number of Jewish writings of the day, things like the Babylonian Talmud. I mean, very impressive, important documents in the Jewish community. And by the way, if anybody would have had a reason to say Jesus didn't exist or to ignore Jesus, it would have been the Jewish writers of the day because they saw Jesus and his followers as a threat to their faith. But they all mentioned Jesus. They all talk about Jesus as if he was a real historical person. You see, the fact is, if you throw out the New Testament and just use these other sources, this is what you would know. You would know that Jesus was a carpenter from Nazareth who was called the Christ, who did magic, we would say miracles, right? Had new teachings for Israel, was crucified on Passover, claimed to be God and and that he would return someday, and his followers worshiped him as God. You would know all that from just these other sources without ever opening your New Testament. You see, the fact is, I think if you're going to be at all honest intellectually, you've got to rule out that first option that Jesus is just a myth. There's just so much historical evidence that says the opposite. So what about number two, a great moral teacher? By the way, other than Christians, that's probably the most popular answer when you ask someone what they think about Jesus. They'll say, yeah, I think he was real. I think he was a great moral teacher. And we can see why. I mean, Jesus said and wrote some pretty wise things. He said things like, love your enemies. And that's just some brilliant wisdom. You find that in another place, he said, because when when you show love to your enemies, you keep burning coals on their head. In other words, you, you, you help them see that maybe they've misjudged you and they need to think differently about you. And maybe the way they've been treating you is wrong. Loving your enemies can actually, from a worldly perspective, end up being a very wise thing to do. Or or he said this, don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow will worry about itself. Every day has trouble enough of its own. Uh, Boy, I was thinking about that verse a lot this week. I had the flu like worse than I've ever had it before. I missed three days a week this work. I don't think I've missed three days of work in 17 years before that. And, uh, and every day I was sitting there, and at first I was sitting there thinking of all the work that was piling up and what I was gonna have to do when I got back in the office. Finally, I'm like, you know what? I'm gonna take Jesus' advice. I'm just gonna get through today. I'll let tomorrow worry about itself. It's a pretty wise wisdom sometimes, isn't it? When we're going through tough stuff, just put your nose to the grindstone. Get through today. I'll worry about tomorrow later, right? Take it one day at a time, you hear people say. It's just some really good wisdom. So, so this idea that Jesus is just a really wise teacher, it makes a lot of sense. But, see, here's the problem. You can't just take some of what Jesus said. You've got to look at everything Jesus said. Jesus also said stuff like this, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you have no life in you. He said, if anyone comes to me and does not hate father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even their own life, such a person cannot be my disciple. Jesus said that stuff too. He also said stuff like, if you destroy this temple, he was talking about his body, He said, I will raise it up from the dead in three days. He he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And by the way, in their day, they said God was the way, 
the truth, and the life. There was this one time they were talking with Jesus and they said, look, how long will you keep us in suspense? If you are the Christ, tell us plainly. And he says, I've been telling you and you won't listen to me. The fact is Jesus claimed over and over and over again to be God himself. So much so that there were at least four times, maybe a fifth time, that they tried to kill Jesus. They tried to throw him off a cliff or stone him to death because he was claiming to be God. You see, this idea that Jesus was just this moral teacher who, who, who didn't say anything really controversial, he just said really wise stuff, just doesn't hold water at all. You can't believe that about Jesus. At least not and be intellectually fair. You know, you've gotta pretend he didn't say about half the stuff he said for that to work. So really, you're left with these two options. I saw an interview with Bono from U2 once. You know, Bono at some point in his life became a believer, a follower of Jesus. And by the way, Bono's probably as head over heels in love with Jesus as Walt Rittmiller was. And uh, he was in an interview with a, a British journalist and the journalist said something to him about Jesus and Bono said, well, you've gotta believe that either he's the son of God or he's nuts. And the guy misunderstood his accent. He said, you mean he's either the son of God or he's not? And Bono said, no, he's a nutter. He's crazy. He says, those are really the only two options. When you look at what Jesus said, what he claimed to be, either he was who he said he was, the son of God, who'd come into this world to restore our relationship with our God, to help us know the Father, to pay the price willingly for our sins, to rise again from the dead, to, as we heard in that reading from Philippians, to go back to his Father in heaven and retake his place of glory from which he will come again someday. You either believe that, or you believe he was a lunatic. Now, I wish I had as good an evidence to eliminate one of those choices for you as I did for the first two, but I don't. The fact is, every one of us has to make their own decision about which of those two you think it is. Do you think Jesus was who he said he was? Or do you think he was crazy? But there is one Bible passage that to me is pretty darn amazing. It's this one. This is, again, Paul, who wrote Philippians. And he's writing to a different church this time, the church at Corinth. And he's, he's talking about Jesus and all the things he did right up to where he died on the cross and then rose again from the dead. And then he says this. He says he appeared to the 12 disciples. And then he says, and after that, he was seen by more than 500 of his followers at one time, most of whom who are still alive, though some have died. Now, I think that's a pretty incredible statement to make. Let me tell you why. Imagine I came here this morning. You guys don't know this, but I love to golf. I, I do it a lot. And uh, imagine I came here this morning and said, hey, last week I was down in Florida and I got a hole-in-one on a 380-yard par four. Now, now, first of all, you go, wait, you said you were sick this last week, so I know you're lying. But no, no, just stick with me for a second, okay? So tonight I said that, you, you go, well, well, wait a minute. The odds against a hole-in-one on a par four are incredibly stiff. And... And you'd have to hit the ball 380 yards, and I'm looking at you, and I don't think there's any chance you could hit the ball 380 yards. Maybe Dave can hit it 380. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I'm not sure. But anyway. <laughs> but, uh, but uh, yeah, straight. That's the problem, right? Yeah, right. Yeah. But you look at me and go, there's no way. Mark, 
look, I'd like to believe you, but I don't believe you. And then what if I said, okay, but it was a pro-am and there were about 500 people lining the hole watching me and I got every one of their names and phone numbers and email addresses, check with them and see. Now you might go, whoa. He might be telling the truth, right? Basically, that's what Paul says here. Paul says, Jesus not only died, but he rose from the dead. And don't just take my word for it. He says, there are over 500 people that saw him risen from the dead. And yeah, a few of them have died, but most of them are still here. You go talk to them. It's a pretty incredible thing to say. See, the fact is, there were hundreds and hundreds of people that saw the real Jesus They heard him say the really wise things, and they heard him say some pretty crazy things. Some of them followed him for three years everywhere he went. They saw him do miracles. There was a movie out a couple of years ago. um, I think it was called The Resurrection. I'm I'm not exactly sure. I forget the name now. But but it was basically the story of Jesus' death and resurrection from the perspective of this Roman soldier. And, and so Jesus rises from the dead, and this Roman soldier is following him and his disciples. And he's amazed to see Jesus alive because he was pretty sure he saw him dead after he was crucified. But he's starting to think, well, maybe he wasn't really dead or things like that. And, and he's following along, and he thinks Jesus is not nearly as impressive as he thought he was going to be. And at one point, he turns to Nathaniel, one of the disciples, and he goes, why, why do you follow this guy? And like... A few hours later, these two lepers come up to Jesus, and there's just like, there's, I mean, their skin's falling off them. And Jesus, first of all, he reaches out and touches them, and then he heals them. And the two guys walk away with as smooth and clear a skin as Maya back there, right? And, uh, and Nathaniel, and, and the Roman centurion, he's just standing there, he's just like, and Nathaniel turns and looks at him and goes, that's why. That's why we follow him. See, there were all these people that were with Jesus, and and they had a firsthand chance to decide whether they thought he was crazy or the son of God. One of them, uh, the apostle John, uh, wrote this. He says, um, he begins his letter this way. He says, that which we have seen from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes and looked upon and have touched with our hands concerning the word of life, that which we have seen and heard, we proclaim also to you so that you may have fellowship with us. And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with his son, Jesus Christ. In other words, John is saying, I'm writing this letter to you because I saw him and I touched him and I listened to him and and I saw what he did for us. And, And I want you to love him just the way I love him, John is saying. See, the reality is, of those disciples, hundreds of them went to their death proclaiming that they had seen Jesus, the risen Lord, that Jesus was indeed the Son of God. And some of them died in the most cruel and awful of ways because they were saying that Jesus was the Son of God and that they had seen him alive. And not a one of them ever went, whoa, you're going to crucify me upside down? Yeah, we made all that stuff up. He was, he was uh, it, we just dug up his body and threw it somewhere. Not a one of them ever said that. 
You would think somewhere along the way, one of them would have made that up just to save themselves. But they were so in love with Jesus. They were so amazed that God himself would come to this earth and willingly give his life for us. They were so in love with Jesus that they were willing to die for him. See, to me, that's pretty good evidence. Now, it doesn't really prove the case, does it? I mean, you've still got to decide for yourself. You've, you've got to read the Gospels and, and study what he said for yourself. And you've got to talk to people who, who have had a relationship with Jesus, some for their whole lives. And you've got, to, you've, got to, you've got to see the look on their face when they talk about this Jesus that they love. You've got to do that stuff. And if after you've done that stuff, you walk away going, I just think you're all crazy. It's possible. I remember the whole Jim Jones thing. He was able to get a bunch of people to go drink Kool-Aid in the middle of some field in Central America somewhere. Yeah, it's possible. But for me, the best choice is that Jesus is exactly who he said he was. God come to earth for us. Um, there was one other thing that happened to me about the same time I got to know Rhett that forever changed my view of Jesus. Uh, there was this thing that came out with a number of years ago called the Visual Bible. And, and uh, literally what it was, was it was four VHS cassettes that tells you how old ago, long ago this was, right? I still have them, by the way. I have nothing to play them in, but I still have them. It was these four VHS cassettes, and it was the complete gospel of Matthew, the first of the gospels that talks about Jesus in the Bible. It was the complete gospel of Matthew, word for word, um, with no extra narration, um, no, uh, no extra you know, stuff, dialogue or anything built in. It was just the text from the Bible. In fact, you can kind of see in the upper right corner there, you know, see how it says 7-3 in the bottom corner? That was... Matthew 7, verse 3, that was happening at that moment. The, the verses, numbers were on there, so you could follow along in your Bible if you wanted to. But just word for word, the stories of the Bible. But, but here's why it was so cool. The guy that portrayed Jesus was unlike any Jesus I had ever seen before. You see, I'm, I'm more of a visual learner. And so for me, reading the Bible is great. But, but seeing Jesus acting out that gospel of Matthew on the screen and seeing him do it in a real way was amazing. I mean, every other Jesus I had ever seen in TV miniseries or movies was just kind of like, blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. You know? I mean, it was just like this brooding mystic guy. I was like, whoa, you know? But not, not Jesus, not this guy, not the guy in the visual Bible. He would laugh. Um, he, would, he, would, he would help you realize how funny some of the stuff in the New Testament really is. That, that picture in the upper right, you can see it looks like he's got like a, a, a stick sticking out of his eye. He had actually taken some, this is in the Sermon on the Mount. He's taken somebody's walking stick away from them and he's gonna talk about how we shouldn't judge others. And do you remember what he said? You know, he said, don't, don't worry about the speck in your brother's eye when you got a log in your own eye. And he actually held it up to his eye and people are cracking up how silly that looks. I think that's probably what he did, something like that. Just Jesus, Jesus loved to be with people. Um, he loved little kids. There was just a joy about him in, in this video series that I had never seen before. 
and it made Jesus come alive for me in a way that made me maybe understand why Rit would love him so much. But it was the very end, and by the way, if you wanna see this, I, I checked yesterday, there's actually a YouTube video of the whole four plus hours of it that you can watch. But, uh, but at the very end, do you know what the last words of Matthew's gospel are? You actually heard him earlier in the service today. During the baptism, Dave said, Jesus said, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And lo, I am with you to the very end of the age. And that's how Matthew's gospel ends. And, and Jesus said those words, standing, talking to his disciples. And we know right after that from other gospel accounts that he ascends up into heaven and he's gone. So, so they get to the last verses of, the, of Matthew's gospel. And I know the gospel just ended. And I'm like, how are they gonna end this now? Are we gonna, is he gonna go like poof and disappear? Or is he gonna go up into heaven? Are they gonna add the ascension? Or what's gonna happen there? And here's what they did. The scene switches and it's a beach. And Jesus is just kind of walking down the beach with his back turned to you. And I'm like, seriously, Jesus is going to like ride off into the sunset? Is that what they're going to do? <laughs> but he gets a few feet down the beach, and he stops. And he turns around, and he just goes like this. He, he like looks right through the camera right at you and goes, come on. I can still hardly talk about it without tearing up. I just wanted to dive into the TV, and it was a 19-inch TV. Right? <laughs> I just wanted to follow him. See, Rit had it right. Every story in the Bible, it's about Jesus. Every, every, every single Bible study ought to point you to Jesus. Every single thing we do in the church ought to be all about Jesus. Because I believe Jesus is indeed the Son of God who, who came into this broken world and allowed it to break him for us, for me, for you. And he loves each and every one of you. He loves us so much that he's not only given his life for you, but he said, come on. Come hang out with me. Come, come learn from me. Come be with me. Come join me in my mission. Let's pray about that right now. Lord, Lord you came willingly to this earth I can't imagine what that conversation was like between you and your father when, when he looked at you and the Holy Spirit and said, let's make mankind in our image after our likeness. And, and you knew what that meant. You meant that we were gonna have the capacity for free will and you also knew that we would mess it up. And I, I imagine that conversation going on further with your dad looking at you going, you know what you're gonna have to do, right, to save them and, and you saying, yeah, I'm in. Jesus, thank you for leaving the joys of heaven and becoming a human being here on this earth so that we could be restored in our relationship with God, so that we could come to know 
our God and know how much you love us. Jesus, thank you for calling us to be like you. And I do pray, Lord, that every day, each and every one of us would follow you so that we could be more like you. Thank you for loving us and help us be people through whom others can see you and come to know you too. In your name we pray, amen.